Hey everyone, welcome to Savage to Sage, where we explore the evolution of entrepreneurs. In this show, we hear from leaders on the challenges and breakthroughs that have shaped them on their journey toward becoming a sage. Hey everybody, it's been a while since we've done the Savage to Sage podcast, um, and it's kind of a special episode. Um, we have Andrea Brummett on here today from Ready HR and uh, the Pabulum Group. Um, did I say it correct, Andrea? Pabulum Group, yes. Thank you for for your grace. As I uh, I have difficulty with pronouncing pronunciation. Um, Way yeah, worse. So, we we have Andrea on here uh, today, and we're kind of um, it's been kind of like a pivotal moment within the Savage to Sage podcast. Um, I've had the privilege of being a co-host, and essentially have been interviewing like close to I would say fifty some you know founders, entrepreneurs um, on the podcast, and I was thinking about how how would we take this podcast into a unique space. Um, we've highlighted previously about the transformational journey of founders and CEOs. And one of the things that has kind of come up has been, what are some ways that help people or what are some ways that leaders have difficulty kind of transforming? And so the way that I was hoping that we could have this conversation today is just kind of highlighting what are some, and I we need to figure a different word of wounds, but potentially like difficulties um, that owners have experienced on this Average Sage podcast. So I'm sorry, I'm talking a lot, but I just want to kind of set the scene uh, for kind of what the conversation is going to be like today. So one of the kind of common things that I that I hear during like uh, an, an entrepreneur would say is that like, you need to understand your why because you have no idea what it's going to cost you when you are leading a company. I found myself just yesterday um, at lunch thinking about my past year of things that I've gone through and I'm folding my arms like this. And I started reflecting on that and I was like, what is going on with me? And to be honest, like if I'm really honest with myself, I'm like, there's been lots of difficulties this year. And I'm noticing that like the way to protect myself is to kind of be a little bit more like this, uh, you know, externally, yeah. but also a little internally. So um, anyway, all that type of stuff, um, this is going to be a kind of a different show. And so we're going to be talking about difficulties and loss in being an entrepreneur um, and a founder. And I'm so grateful that Andrea decided to kind of be part of this conversation, um, you know, kind of first ever on the Savage Sage podcast. So forgive me for my long introduction, Andrea, but um, I just wanted to kind of set the scene. Yeah. No forgiveness necessary. And I mean, again, what a great conversation to have. And I think we do have to call wounds wounds. We've got to call them what they are, right? Yeah. Um, they're They're little tears in our fabric that, um, you know, I think part of the conversation today is like a wound is, it is permanent, but it takes different shapes, right? So like there's the, there is the wounding, there's the openness, there's the pain. Um, and then, you know, everything that we do with it from that point on, which eventually creates 
you know, the magnificent of, of a healing, the magnificence of a healing experience. So I, it's, a, it's a, you know, I don't know. I'm good with the word. Good. I love it. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think I, I kind of come into the male dominated business space. So, you know, wound might not be a word that it might sound too soft for some folks, you know? So I'm like, yes. Do, yeah. we, we can make some war references if it makes it easier. And we've also accomplished for any of us that are like watching memes. Uh, we've also accomplished making reference to the Roman empire today. <laughs> Good. Oh my goodness. That's great. That's great. Um, okay. So you've been just to give, uh, the, the listeners kind of a background, you, you have extensive experience in leading companies. So with Ready HR, you've been running that for seven years, uh, for the PAB ULUM group. It's been 20 years that you've been running that. Yeah. So that's, that's I should be like, I'm, trying to put on like the, 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 the cloak of pride of that, um, you know, that number, but that's work I've have to do. It's like, but yeah, you're right. Yeah. 20 years. I mean, that's, that's extensive. There's, there's something very different about talking to a founder that's been in the game for three to five years and yeah. somebody that's like been there for like 10 plus, like it's a totally different Mark. Well, I, I like the juxtaposition of being in both positions. <laughs> Why the only one, you know? Yeah. That's funny. That's funny. <clears throat> well, so, okay. Like one of the things that I would love to kind of like, just to start off with is to kind of like, as an employee, I've been mostly an employee for a majority of you know, I haven't been a leader of a company. There's been a, a couple of times that I've been an executive leader within companies, been in startup companies, but like, can you like share with an audience of like, what are typical like demands that you think of when you're running a company on a regular basis? Because I just don't think that people kind of understand, like as a founder, like your mind's always going, you know? Yeah, I mean, I, I think like this question could be easier to answer. What demands are you not dealing with <laughs> on a regular basis? Like, I feel like I could probably pop up that answer yeah. um, a lot, a lot faster. This is like, um, <laughs> I've had days in the last week where if this question were asked of me, I could just break down and cry, right? Mm-hmm. Like, so, th- mm-hmm. and, and that's just kind of in reference to to what that, looks like. I mean, I think on a daily basis, demands range from what's going on with your people, what's in store for our collective future, what's in store yeah. for my future, what's going on with customers, what's going on with um, my and our well-being, you know, demands of family, demands of kids, partners. And you, and then like, of course, if we're paying attention, we're also paying attention to our own demands. But those of the business are like, you know, list out all of the functionality of a business and all of those functionalities have a different demand on any given day. And so it can be super, super, super overwhelming. I don't know that um, this is necessarily like a pop, well, I don't know, popular opinion, but I think it like those demands can be especially difficult for female mm. leaders. We were kind of sold that you can do it all dream. Mm. I fit into that, uh, that generation. So the, demands when you pile on like not just the professional demands that 
are going to be, um, you know, non-negotiables of being an entrepreneur and a leader or a business owner. But then, um, you know, this, this almost what feels like other life that it's very difficult to enmesh, um, in within our, within our current business world that has its own set of demands that is, by the way, like those are full-time jobs and full-time jobs. And so, you know, the demand of showing up to all of that, I think all of the things that I choose to show up to, I love, I've chosen Mm -hmm. them. And Mm -hmm. so there are days where like those things can just feel like this big, beautiful, giant ball of light in my body, Mm -hmm. you know? And simultaneously, Mm -hmm. there are days where it just feels like I don't know. It feels like, like a, like a wet blanket, you know, cut like a more than a wet, like a wet blanket made out of like freshly slaughtered woolly mammoth skin. It's like stinky, <laughs> dirty, <and> heavy. <laughs> yeah. So demands are a thing. Yeah. 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 And I think, I think the thing that's been really helpful for me to, to have empathy with leaders is that as an employee, you kind of just think about like your world, right? So it's like, how is my world affected by, you know, the leader's decisions or those types of things? But I would say that I've moved from an environment where I was further away from decision-making and, you know, kind of like I was employee 20 of, you know, lots of employees that grew up. And now I'm kind of more to the point of like closer to the center. And when you're closer to the center, like I just you feel more, you know what I'm saying? Like you feel more of reality and you feel more, there's less cushion, I would say in the impact, Yeah. you know? And so again, it just, it, it provides me a lot more, um, I would say compassion towards, uh, towards leaders because they have to carry that on a regular basis, you know? Um, it's actually uh, kind of healing to hear that. <laughs> um, I don't, I've never, I haven't had the experience of an employee. So I was a really young entrepreneur. I mean, I've had the experience of an employee when I was, when I was young, but I started the Pavillon group when I was 24. Yeah. Um, and so I think reversely, I can also lose experience or I can lose context of what that experience is like for employees sometimes, because I can be so lost in, you know, in everything that I've got going on. And I don't think that's unique to, um, to me. It's kind of like you give attention to whatever it is that needs the most attention in any given moment. And to be able to slow things down to the point where you can really be inexperienced with employees, I think is a a really critical part of this journey. And the Mm -hmm. more people that, you know, can, um, maybe hear the, your side of that story too, to understand that, I think, I don't know, it's easy to be an employee and you, you're kind of accustomed to the agreement that we've made, right? We made this give and take agreement. Um, and, and your part of that is for the most part kind of guaranteed so long as we agree to stay, stay in an employment relationship. Yeah. And yeah. that can feel like something that you take great ownership over and you should. And I think that the leader's experience in that and the difficulty that it takes to ensure that that guarantee that's been made can be provided every day can be extraordinarily overwhelming. It can feel like the weight of the world on your shoulders when you're thinking about not only your own survival, but then carrying every single solitary person on your team with you in terms of the decisions um, that you're making. Different leaders do different things, certainly, but I think for those of us that operate that way, I would acknowledge that it can feel like a heavy, heavy burden sometimes. Yeah. 
And that's and that's kind of like when I when I talk to leaders in the podcast, it's been about we had to let this person go, you know, or we had to do these, we had to make these drastic cuts. And you can tell, like, you know, we're talking about wounds, like, you know, those types of things are like going to be the things that kind of come to the surface is like, because for the most part, there's so much ownership that you feel as the leader of the company that like, it's just like, yes, you're taking ownership. And so like, yeah, I I just think that that's a difficult, that's a very heavy weight to carry. Yeah. Yeah. And and I think what you're alluding to um, in, in the example that you just used is like the difference between the global weight that we have to carry. And then that uh, for good leaders who are, who are in, in relationship with individual people on their teams, that individual weight that we have to carry. So when a business decision comes down to whether or not you're going to employ someone anymore, mm-hmm. it, it feels like, and I think on both ends, it's both the wounding from being, a, being, having that decision made and the wounding from having to make the decision, it feels like a choice to separate relationship. And mm-hmm. I think that's one of, that's some of the complexity that we really are diving deep into um, in terms of people operations, uh, pe- being in relation with people from an HR perspective and what we're coaching is how to really lean into that a little bit more. And if we do things well uh, and we're in, you know, we're creating clarity, transparency and, um, and, you know, speaking those things kindly and we're doing them as they're happening, hopefully we don't have the same unexpected impact in those decisions where there's a crash instead of something that we're journeying through together and we arrive somewhere um, together and consciously get to those decisions that are extraordinarily hard. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. Uh, Thank you for kind of peeling back the layer there. Um, So, you know, like I know that we've already kind of dived into it, but like, would you say that there's like, Am I am I onto something as far as that founders and entrepreneurs carry business wounds? Like you are onto something, yes. Okay, okay. Yeah, like I mean if you were to like take a look at that, like where do you see that for you? Like, I mean, what's been kind of we don't necessarily need to get personal, but like if you were to look at kind of like in the business scope here, like where where does that pop up? You know, like when you're like just navigating, um, you know, relationships, the way people do business, you know, those types of things, where do you see it? Yeah. I mean, I think like it is for sure a thing. And of course it's a thing because it's, this is a human experience. Yeah. Right. Like, and I think that it's easy to lose sight of that. Um, And the reason from the reason that we don't talk about it a lot as leaders is I think we've been conditioned not to, we've been conditioned to, to show up that we're okay all the time, right? We have every space that we go into, we need to make sure that everybody around us feels like we're okay. And they're, and that we're making them okay. Right. Like we're always on in some way, or we're expected to kind of always be on. And I would say, while this is changing some, as we de- develop leaders today, it's still a rarity to see a leader who's totally mastered the art of being vulnerable mm-hmm. in, in this way. Although as a part of being able to be part of those communities, I think we're seeing it more and more and more, um, mm-hmm. which is very exciting. But um, speaking from the perspective of somebody who wants to be a vulnerable leader, I can tell you it's it's really, really hard. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, you know, we're, 
generally speaking, we're expected to show up a certain way and create a certain sense of like predictability and reliability. And, um, and we're creating, you know, spaces and products that, uh, that people want to be a part of. And when I think about the, like, I don't know, this makes me think of like the generational messages that were hammered into my, into my head. So it was like, never show weakness, never let them see you sweat. Um, Make it till you make it right. Grin and bear it, get up and dust yourself off. And you think about just the juxtaposition of those messages that we were, that we were learning from the people who are now, um, you know, at the end of their careers or cycling out of their careers, um, or at least in the tail end of their careers in some way. Um, I mean, we were just, we were conditioned to be totally mechanized that you just, you like, you push through, you drive forward, you step over the dead bodies, including your own, right? Like you ignore everything and you just go. So, uh, you know, I think when you're operating from that place, of course, there's going to be wounds. And I think conversely, I've experienced just tremendous um, freedom and learning vulnerability um, as a person and as a leader. And one of the things that we struggle with right now is it's still really difficult to know where that line is, yeah. right? Of um, bringing one's whole self to work versus kind of the line that that we draw there. There has to be one, right? So it's like, we are humans. We are going to bring our whole selves to work and we need to be wherever, we need to be whoever we are, wherever we are to feel safe and have a sense of belonging. We know that yeah. about um, belonging. And simultaneously, it is also true that as workspaces, we can't expect to be like the bearers of all of life's or in workspaces, we can't expect to be the bearers of all of, um, life's happenings. We kind of need to strike that balance of being equipped to recognize the human experience, support the human experience, but not be the place that it all plays out. If that makes sense. Yeah, um, you know, I like to be a therapist on TV. I'm not actually qualified to be one in any way. <laughs> um, so mm-hmm. yeah, uh, I mean, I don't, I, I don't know if that answers your question or not. I think just references like the disconnectedness that we have from our, if I think about like my day to day and I think about the disconnectedness that I have to be from my authentic self to walk in and out of the situations that I walk in and out of, right. Or that I learned yeah. that like the coping me- mechanism that I learned to do that, the different masks that I put on, it creates serious trauma. Like it, it just, yes. it really does. And I think yeah. that's what we're talking about today. Um, or maybe, yeah. maybe it comes from a place yeah. of serious trauma. Maybe it doesn't create it. Maybe it's just yeah. a churning of a trauma that this. <laughs> But I've had, you know, the number of conversations that I've had with other leaders and entrepreneurs that have reached a breaking point, having come in and out of that, so that of that being their life is innumerable. I mean, I can't, I don't, I don't even know how many I've had. And the thing that is most common in those conversations is this like deep sense of loneliness. We feel like no one can understand what we're carrying. And um, probably worse, if you've been here, is that you feel like nobody cares so if you're a leader that cares deeply about those around you and you're not having an experience of someone caring back, not because they don't want to, by the way, but because they, we haven't shown them. We're, we've actually not shown yeah. up vulnerably and asked for what we, what we need. But, um, you know, as people who kind of have to be really charming and charismatic everywhere we go, um, I think a lot of us probably have that, that chameleon characteristics where, you know, where we can shape shift from event to event 
during the day and in the course of conversation day to day, one minute, I'm a cheerleader, right? Like I get to have the greatest conversation ever. I turn around, go into another meeting and I, you know, it, it requires like go into deep survival mode, you know, and turn around. And then I have to be in deep grounded thinking and strategy. And while, while I don't know, there's like this sense that what's the, it's like, it's, there's this untrue illusion that you have to be different things to different people. And it, I don't know, like for me, that's something that I think I constantly kind of feel the struggle, um, the struggle with, um, and I know through peers that I'm, I'm not alone. That's kind of part of the, that's part of the big work is understanding that that there's no truth in that. And we're not serving anybody, um, in that, but there's a lot of unraveling and kind of deep work that I can say that I'm, I, I am going through and have gone through in different stages throughout both my, my professional and personal life for sure. And, you know, like you guess what's the, the, the most important part of that journey is the village that you create, by the way, yeah. of people where you can begin to, um, have these conversations, um, be seen, um, sometimes that they can show you who you are, right. I think, um, we don't really know about ourselves until we listen to people tell us about ourselves, um, honestly and vulnerably. And so those, those little villages that we build are unbelievably important in that in, in the context of all of this wounding. Well, I feel like we can stop the podcast there because there's just, there's, there's just so, there was so much, that, there's so much there. Like I'm I, like, did, I rambled along quite, quite a lot. So, well, no, this is, but like, there was so much in all that you've said. Like, I mean, I think if I were to summarize, like I heard you say, um, Hey, we've adopted um, a framework uh, from our past um, that was been told to us that actually isn't really working. It's not good for us. Um, and that we actually can't be our whole selves. So if we were to actually want to live a life that's like holistic between business and life, we actually have to combat um, all of those stereotypes that we think are supposedly the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. Um, we have to, I think, deal with what's what's been affected us and understand the demands that are being pulled on us. Because I... I mean, if you were to ask me, do I understand the demands that are being on me at this moment? Um, I would say a little bit, but my mechanism is to say, this is what I have to do. You know, this is this is the way business is, you know, like in the startup world, scale up or whatever you want to say. But if I were to ask myself the alternative question, like, am I, is it? life-giving is it you know is it a place where i can be my whole self like i feel like i'm going to develop cancer if i do this long term you know and neglect myself in the process you know and so it's just like where is their place where is there a space to kind of deal with you know difficulties letdowns those types of things you know so yeah, yeah i just i think you just hit on a lot and um I, I think you named. So my next question is going to be like, what do what do leaders typically use as resources? Are there resources? Are there missing pieces? One of the things that I heard you say is like villages, the people that you surround yourself with. You know, like I if if I were to take an assessment of like what do I think leaders do to get by to resource themselves, and you can speak into this, but I think. In general, they get around other leaders that understand their problems 
and can at least have some solidarity in um, the difficulty, but not necessarily know how to kind of like release or walk through or come to some sort of health through what they've experienced. I mean, is that a fair assessment? Totally. But I think, so like, imagine what would happen if all of us wounded leaders just showed up our wounded selves to each other. We start commiserating instead of probably doing what we need to do, which is, I mean, for me, I would say resource number one, therapy. Yeah. Start with a therapist. Yeah. Someone who's safe that you can work through these things with and that can give you some like foundational uh, tools and move through and come back to places with you. Um, my therapist is like really well known for saying like, Andrea, now I'm not a business coach, but (laughs) you know, so that's how often this stuff comes up in therapy for me, but for a thousand reasons, the deepest work in the starting place has to be with the the stuff that you do on the work with your self. Um, your community needs that of you too, whatever that broad community, um, is. And yes, you are correct. Then, then of course, surrounding yourself with other leaders. So Um, There are a ton of different, like we could go through a huge expansive list of different resources. I I am a member of EO. And so that's like, that's the organization or the entrepreneurs organization where you're just, you know, you're, we are in community with a bunch of entrepreneurs. Um, We've got small groups where we show up on a regular basis and kind of work through these things. We've got mentors, we are mentors. And so this is kind of that concept of a place where we could show up and be our whole selves and a non-judgmental safe um, place and then learn from other people's journeys, what they're going through. So there's like a ton of experience sharing, um, Mm. no advice. It's a no advice zone. It's an experience sharing zone only. And that's super impactful. And then as a female entrepreneur, which has, you know, as I've alluded to, I think has its own unique set of, um, of circumstances and issues. I think probably at least the group most near and dear to my heart, the one that, that I just explode for, um, is just a group of like super self-aware women who are entrepreneurs, who are running their businesses, who some who have families, some who don't, they've got their own, um, you know, they've, they've blazed their own, um, past, but you know, it's absolutely the most important group of people that I have, um, in my, in my life. So it's like, these are the people that can simultaneously like lay down on the ground with me and cry. And also that can just absolutely, you know, that can take me to the mat and show me who I am in a graceful way that I can, you know, accept, um, and, and then be able to go on that, on that journey with them. So there is, um, so much grace and love and joy and opportunity in those relationships and just totally and completely invaluable. And then I would say like the very last one, for me, which is new to me, but one that I will, I, I'm make, I'll, I'll make recommendations to every leader I see that doesn't have one. So we operate on the principles of traction, which will be familiar to some people, not familiar to others, but there's a, a concept in traction called visionary and integrator. And so we call, uh, we call Anna, like my CEO, I'm the CEO, but she's the CEO to the CEO. And that relationship to me has been absolutely invaluable. That is someone internal also sees what's going on is seeing it from both my perspective and the staff's perspective and is having a conversation in that in-between space and knows how to hold those things. So those are, I mean, I think those would be like my top four that I have to offer um, that, you know, have, have just been 
That's why I stand here today. You cannot do this by yourself. You can't. You can try, but you can't. You can't and survive it. Yeah. Yeah. How have you allowed others, coworkers, friends, mentors, and leaders shape your leadership? Like you talked about like you have four unique places that you get support as a CEO. Like how have you allowed, I think, I think part of it is that like, there's got to be an openness, you know, first off for you as a leader. And like, I think probably the, probably the biggest major hurdle is getting you to a place where you'd be open, you know, Um, because you have, because you have so many demands on you. So like the fact that you would be open to get some sort of resources. So I think this question comes with like, this, this is what the assumption that like you've done work and that you've understand that people in your life, like actually have good input to put into you, you know? And so like, have, how have you allowed, you know, people in your life to kind of uh, shape your leadership? It's interesting because I feel like my starting point here, like if I go, if I go back to just the concept of people in my life shaping yeah, anything, yeah. you know, I came boxed as like a very um, resistant human being. Like if you go back, if you would, if, if we'd go ask my mom and dad, like, yeah, how was it influencing Andrea? I mean, I, it, just, it was terrible. I just would, I, I took no advice um, <laughs> at all. I'm yeah. really stubborn, but I think, you know, we, we talked about being 20 years into the journey. And I think you start to see patterns emerge over time that ultimately, um, are indicators mm-hmm. of things. Right. So I don't know if I can tell like a specific story of how something has shaped me because they're happening all the time. Yeah. Um, but I, I, I do think that I'm always kind of seeking, advice while never actually asking for advice. And that's just through a passion for kind of listening and loving, loving to hear people's stories. Um, and, and being a part of that, um, that sharing experience. And then you start to, you start to notice and draw, uh, parallels and similarities and, um, and, and of course you then can learn from what's coming, right? So you can see that there are certain things that always lead to other things or at least 99.9% of the time lead to other things or certain decisions that, you know, you're not, there's nothing unique about the decision that you're going to make. It's going to be hard and it's Mm -hmm. hard to do hard things. Um, Mm -hmm. You're not, you're not going to skirt it, right? There's going to be no way for you to reinvent some other way to do it. And so like the value of being able to lean on other people's experiences and stories um, over time, I, I think is just completely invaluable. And, yeah. you know, like there's a lot to learn with respect to leadership because in, in like specifically in the world of small business, I think it's why I'm so passionate about small business because that the path of a small business leader is so intense. Mm-hmm. So, intense. Um, and it can take a lot of forms. It's dramatically different than corporate leadership um, just in terms of, of what can step in, into your path. Um, on any given day. So I, I'm, I, I'm also very, very grateful to have served as like an advisor in that space for yeah. as long as I have and had exposure to, um, you know, in, in small business, you know, the, the path at the beginning is very different than whatever today's path may be, wherever you are on that, um, that journey. And so to have been able to do that with so many different types of businesses, different types of leaders over time, um, undoubtedly has probably been the greatest shaper of how I conduct 
um, business because I've I've been able I've had the value of being able being able to be a part of those uh, those stories and know how to kind of incorporate them into what might be going on for me. That's cool. So that's I mean the experience has been kind of a resource bank, but then also like you actively being a contributor to it, right? Yes, like yep. you're contributing to people's their business and. Yeah, it's great. It's like probably the thing that I've learned along the way is that like people are great, you know, like you either you can either you find examples that you want to follow or you find examples that you don't want to follow. <laughs> it's just like oh, useful, right? way it's win, you learn something. Yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I don't want to do that. Yeah. Thank you for that. <laughs> I don't want that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Totally. Um, But like, I mean, I think, and you can kind of expound upon this a little bit, but like if you were to talk about like key leadership principles for you that you take to the office every single day, I mean, I I might be assuming this is, you know, what you shared earlier about like, what does it mean to be a vulnerable leader? What does it mean to bring your whole self to work? Maybe there's other, there's kind of maybe different key leadership attributes that are like, kind of foundational for you. Yeah. I mean, I think I'm probably, I like geek out on these concepts at all times. So I'm, you know, I've got the people who I really kind of hold near and dear. Like I think about Brene Brown, Simon Sinek, Adam Grant, like, um, and there are far more than, than that. And, and I don't know, like, I don't have any like key principles that I'm like, these are the three for me. But there, there are um, there's like different ones that are rising to the top all the time. So mm-hmm. I enjoy really having like that generalist sense of all of them in order to know the ones that have to be paid attention to or that need a deeper dive at any given time. So I don't know. I think if I were thinking about the top three that like come to mind for me at the moment, I would probably say, you know, we've talked about authenticity. Yeah. Um, we've talked about clarity. Um, one that probably never goes away is purpose and how mm-hmm. important, you know, really, really staying rooted and grounded in your purpose is uh, obviously there's others. I mean, trust never goes away. The things that we have to do to build trust. But I think, you know, if I think about authenticity, I think that really allows for alignment, which is so important, but it also sets the stage for clarity. Yeah. And I think, um, I, like embodiment. So many things have to align for a piece, person to feel like they can really be authentic. So I always think of like authenticity is deeply related to, to like the self-actualization and Maslow's um, hierarchy of need, like really being able to realize one's true um, potential. So for me, I think that like the authenticity thing is the ultimate goal and it is, it's, it's work for us all. It's, and I don't need, I think, isn't, you know, really self-actualization is like a nonstop journey. There's no arrival. It's just that you're, you have to keep kind of gearing back up to, to whatever, whatever that is. I don't know. That's right. So it's like, it's funny because like, there's certain moments I'm like, it's just basic survival right now. You know, like I got three kids yelling at me. They all want seven things at once. And it's like, okay, it's not self-actualization time. It's, (laughs) right. (laughs) <laughs> you know yeah. it's like the only like component of self-actualization that you can access at that moment is like i will choose to be calm 
Yeah. Yeah. Oh goodness. Yeah. Yeah. There's no prophetic. There's no prophetic thoughts going on in the, in, in that moment. You know. No, definitely not. No. <laughs> So go, going on to experience a little bit, like, um, like okay, when you think about, this is actually really interesting. Um, so I've been doing a lot of study on trauma for the past several years now. And there's been a new uh, kind of a new thought that has been kind of, you know, brought into kind of the trauma conversation. Trauma, uh, from my understanding, trauma can be subjective, but it also can be like an actual event, right? But what I've, what's been interesting to me is that the way that I've heard trauma people talk about it further has been, it's essentially the point where all of your coping mechanisms, like your nervous system kind of like shuts down, it's tapped out, it's past capacity. And that's where it's like, it kind of like you get to the kind of the end and that's what, you know, that's how trauma is formed, right? Within, within somebody's body. So one of the questions that I was thinking about, because this is relevant to my life, you know, as far as experiences that have been like, you know, I'm kind of like a high burner, right? So like, I'm always like, you know, my gas gauge or my, you know, my foot's always on the pedal, like from a natural state of, you know, state of framework. So, um, but was, what was interesting to me is thinking about, would you say that might be a trauma response? Oh yeah, totally. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. There was there was a time that it was like actually like it was really well regulated, but then it just kind of like, you know, continued, you know, to kind of be that, yeah. you know, that high that high kind of um octane. Uh, I can I can meet you in that experience entirely. So, I see you. <laughs> <laughs> so, so anyway, like but the question that I that I have is that like within business, within your experience, was there like a tipping point? Well, at least I'm mean, sure there's there's multiple tipping points, but was there ever like a point where it's like, hey, I was fine until this happened. You know what I'm saying? Like, that yeah. was like, I could deal with it all until dot, 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 you know? Yeah. I mean, that's an interesting way of framing it. I think for me, like anyone who's had, who's been exposed to any of, of my business musings at all knows that, um, value number one, priority number one, um, the thing that I will not sacrifice is family. Mm-hmm. So for me, the, the, I guess, tipping point, the, the only time that I have been absolutely willing to put a bullet in the brain of my business and bury it in the ground is when it feels like it's been threatening time with my son or something with my family, that there's not been like this permission to be able to, to create um, the space that I demand as it relates to family. Um, mm. but you know, like I also, when I, when I think tipping point too, sometimes I think like, it's funny because in my mind, there is no like actual tip, which I think is an entrepreneurial trait. It's like, you start leaning and you go like, Nope, not going to happen. Um, and that's the beauty of the entrepreneur. You reinvent. Yeah. So it's not like you meet something and you, I don't know, for me, that you meet, you encounter these tipping points or these challenges and then say like, that's it, I'm blowing it up, <laughs> right? Like you have full permission. I have full permission for myself to go solve the problem, whatever it is. Yeah. So, you know, the pattern for me might be like, 
something knocks you down or something threatens something important. Um, I don't know, your, your security is threatened in some way. You, you go to your car, you cry, you scream at the top of your lungs, you scream in a pillow, whatever it is that, you know, you have to do, you curse the thing, you go sleep eventually. I mean, many sleepless nights. And then one night you sleep and you wake up and, you know, um, you, you design your work differently, you design your life differently. You make the decisions that you need in that moment to, to move on. And I think this can be like one of those blessings and curses in, mm-hmm. in the world of being an entrepreneur that I've, I've found like long-term entrepreneurs have this thing in common, this continuity thing where like continuity or continuance, I guess what, like what for some people would be stopping points. And it's the reason why people quit or they leave or, you know, flight kicks in. Um, and probably for good reason, I'm not saying that this is a healthy trait, but I think it's a common trait. It just doesn't land that way for us. It's uh, a reason to tweak. It's a reason to make adjustments. It's a reason to do something different, right? You got to take those things. You can't ignore them, but there's something always available always. And if you're willing to do the reflective work and, and, and really build that muscle and go to the deep, dark, hard places, then there's also always change available. And um, I don't know, that's, that's my survival uh, mechanism. I, I, we just, you know, uh, it's not like super recently, but at the beginning of the year brought on a new leader who had never been in a, in a small, small um, business, like mid-sized small, but even that's, even that's different. The resourcing there is completely different. So she was putting on her small business pants for the first time, and I can remember, like, you could just see in her eyes that nearly every day she was like, oh, my God, this is it. This is where it ends. This is like, oh, geez. And I'm like, hey, this is a Tuesday. <laughs> We're good. We got this thing, you know? And so it is, like, it's just different. There's something different in the fabric. I, you know, the insight that you brought there was really helpful for me. Like, specifically how the entrepreneurship's like, okay, I have it's a different tool, a different scenario. It's not going to burden me, but it's like, I, now I can be creative with some other elements, you know? Yeah. And that, that, that's actually kind of how a natural entrepreneurship's minds go. Like, I never had any insight to that. Like, yeah. that's really impactful. Yeah. 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 Thanks. Um, okay. Um, if you've had wounds from business, are there certain factors that make it more difficult? Uh, to deal with or recover from. Like one of the things that I'm thinking about is that like within business, it's kind of like, hey, it's, it's you know, it's not like nonprofit space where you can kind of like sit and like, let's talk about it, you know? <laughs> it's like, no, it's like, you're on the clock, guys. Like yeah. things got to keep moving and those types of things. But, you know, like, you know, if you were to have a difficulty you know, I'm thinking time, I'm thinking space, I'm thinking relational complexities, those types of factors. Like, have you thought about that? Like what kind of makes it potentially more difficult, you know, to deal with those things? When you ask that question, I don't know, the word that always that comes to me is more like prevention. So like recovery certainly has its place. Yeah. You know, I think we ha- we all have things that we have to recover from. And this is probably a, like a... a a new enough concept to me that I can't, I can't preach on it because I'm so 
I have so much work to do in this space, but to, like the avoiding the need for recovery by having done the work up front mm-hmm. to be prepared to meet situations um, with purpose, purposeful uh, response and kind of choose how you're going to show up to it in a way that it doesn't require that you then have to like stop and turn around and melt and, and create recovery space. That's not to say that there aren't certainly, you know, I'm not trying to skirt your question. It's not that there's not a need for recovery, but just when you ask the question, I think the thing that comes up for me is just wanting to have less of a need for recovery because there's been the self-care, you know, I don't, you the, have the tribe around you. You have the support structure. You know, you're you're to, you know you've taken care of yourself. You know, yes. know, yes. know yes. in the depths of your being that you're going to be okay. Yes. Because you've done the work to yes. know that you're going to be okay. Yes. You know? And yes. so, you know, that doesn't mean like you can't, it's not, it's not, a, it's not a piece of armor. You can't prevent yourself yes. from being knocked down. Yes. And when you get knocked down, you know, you do have to take the, the steps, but you certainly can maybe be less malleable and what it takes to knock you down. Yeah. You know, I don't know. That's kind of, yeah. I, I don't know if it answered your question. No, that's I, great. I mean, it's actually really reflective. And so it's, it's, it's very, very, very helpful for me. So, yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Um, okay. Um, <laughs> I don't know. If it keeps getting better, our conversation. So we have a couple more questions. Um, you know, we would both we would both agree that like health is critical for organizations and communities. Like leadership, founder health is critical for uh, organizations and communities. Like if you were to think about your experience, what's one thing that you would want to show um, the next generation on how to do business? I know you said one, but two things come up for me here. Yeah. If I can have permission for two. Yeah. Um, I think like the sense of, um, well, I don't know, maybe they're, they're interrelated. Cause I would maybe flip the question a little bit and say, you know, what do we have to learn from this next generation? And the only yeah. reason that I flip the question in that way is that I, I, we, <laughs> it's really how, it's really how I feel. They are teaching us so much. Um, you know, like if I think about, um, the things that they're empowering me with, it's like that, um, accepting ourselves without exception. Mm. I didn't, I didn't grow up with that. We were, we, you know, it was always aspiring to something else, some unmeetable, um, expectation and the groundedness of what they're bringing to the world with that. Like, I want you to look at me. I want you to really look at me. And I want you to see me for exactly who I am. And it mm. is so powerful. And there's so much to take for us um, uh, out of that. I think like just to be able to see others without the cloud of judgment in context of, of all of the manipulations that are fed into our brain all the time. So just so, so powerful. I mean, I think they're demanding that all people have access to all spaces. And that's mm-hmm. also something that I think we have something to bring to that conversation. Like for those of us that have been in the space, the space of leadership a little bit um, longer, but really helping us to kind of unlock those, those spaces, regardless of how easily accessible they are for, um, for people. Um, 
are we allowed to say the sh word on this show? Yeah, absolutely. Because I really love their like yeah. take shit attitude, you know. Yeah. Um, I, you know, like they're they're kind of showing us like literally this is the line, and if you cross it, I'm out. And I'm not I'm not going to um, come back here and say like, excuse me, you crossed my line, don't do that again. They're like, bye, <laughs> you know. <laughs> you know they mean it and it feels like really extreme to some of us that yeah. have been in the business world for a while i think we use words like entitlement and yeah. little spoiled brats and who do they think they are yeah. um but it is the antithesis to what caused it all you know of course <laughs> this is where people have landed and and by the way like why do you think our generation so doggone burn out because we didn't we haven't done those things we haven't drawn, drawn those lines for our, for ourselves. So yeah, I mean, I I don't know for me, it's like bravo to them. And I can't wait to learn more and more and more from that generation as, as they kind of teach that. And of course we, you know, we have a lot to offer too. I love the intergenerational, you know, communities that we have at work right now. And I, I, I think most of us are doing, I think uh, despite all of the memes that might suggest otherwise, I think a lot of us are doing well building communities around making sure that we're like really sucking the, the, the marrow out of all of the beauty of that. Um, I think it's probably here to stay for a little while, but I also hope a lot of us retire a lot earlier and don't do this thing where we let business have us for the years of 22 to 65. And then we hope we're still alive to go enjoy um, the rest of our lives. I think we all, we all have something to learn from saying like, nope, this is going to be mine. <laughs> this is what I'm going to own. And this is going to be yours. And we're going to have this symbiotic exchange that we know what the give and take is, and we both benefit from it. And there's clarity in what, what that exchange, um, is. So I, I, I hope we have a lot more of that coming. Well, I mean, you've made me very hopeful for the future, uh, just sharing that. Like, um, and I think, yeah, um, I think you brilliantly described um, what the generation's trying to share with us and kind of what they've seen and observed and probably have embodied. And not necessarily, I think the, the normal default is not to see that as a gift. And I think that you've you showed it and highlighted that's actually a gift. You know what's so ironic about that? Like who yeah. raised them? Who whose yeah, household? We did. Yeah. Whose households did they come up in? They look, they they've watched us. Yes. You yes. know, they've watched what it's done to us and, and yes. they've decided, no, thank you. Yes. You might not be able to make that decision for you anymore. Yes. But um this is gonna be different for us. So I think, yeah. 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 No, that's so good. Um Last thing, just curious, like if you were to look at kind of these business wounds um, that have those brought any, like you would say light um, that you would not have expected into your life, like as you've tended those, um, those types of things, has it been like a, like a, I I hate to use the phrase like blessing in disguise because I actually don't like that phrase at all. Um, But uh, like, has there been things that you've, gleaned from that experience that's like made you a whole person a bit more, you know, or, you know, completely. I think, um, yes, the scale at which you experience a business wound, um, 
makes it more obvious sometimes than the ones we experience on a, like a personal basis. I think sometimes there's maybe more tangible things at risk, like mm-hmm. um, things that we maybe are more commonly attached to um, and not necessarily in a healthy way, but the threat of that attachment relationship comes up um, a lot, a lot more in business sometimes. And, and it just maybe makes it harder to ignore, I guess. Um, mm. than personal wounds. And I know that's not always the case. I can obviously think of some personal wounds that would do the same thing, but I think a hundred percent my business wounds and business healings have been taken to the rest of my life for sure. And certainly vice mm. versa too. There is no like totally untangling them um, from one another, which by the way, is to some degree, the way that it should be right. But it, that's that coming full circle on the whole self, uh, concept. If we're doing this thing, right. We're one whole person wherever we go. Yeah. Taking all of this really cool, beautiful journey. Um, all of it everywhere that we go. Yeah. Andrea, well, thank you for, um, being the first and I hope of many, uh, to be on the Savage's Age to talk about what is it like for leaders, um, you know, kind of tending to themselves, you know? And so, I can't thank you enough for our time together. It's been such a such a gift. I couldn't agree more, and I will um, for sure look forward to the other lessons that are um, that are are forthcoming um, from others in this as well. I think it's a phenomenal conversation to have, and thank you for uh, for bringing it forward and for allowing me to be a part of it. Super grateful. Yeah, my pleasure. Thank you for listening to today's interview. To view show notes or hear more episodes, please visit www.savagetosage.com.